Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Monday, December the 18th, 2023. It's the first, no, third Monday in Advent, uh, Monday of the third week of Advent. It's uh, the second day of the O Antiphons, and it's one week till Christmas. Our reading today is from the Gospel according to St. Matthew. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with child through the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, since he was a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, decided to divorce her quietly. Such was his intention when, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home. For it is through the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the prophet had said, what the Lord had said through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took his wife into his home. He had no relations with her until she bore a son, and he named him Jesus. All right, now we are getting down to it. We are getting into the gospel readings. We're going to first read the infancy narratives from Matthew, and then we'll later this week be reading the infancy narratives from St. Luke. And we begin here with Joseph. And there's so much we can say about St. Joseph. St. Joseph is certainly an unsung hero of the church. He is the patron saint of the universal church, the patron saint of men, of fathers, of families, of workers. There's so much in each of our lives that we could claim St. Joseph to be our patron for. Joseph is, what we hear is he is a righteous man. And it says he hears about Mary, about how she is with child. And so he decides to divorce her quietly so as not to expose her to shame. I want to talk about this a little bit because according to the church fathers, it's not what you think. Let's just imagine this scenario. See, there's all kinds of contemporary um, renditions of this, you know, in movies and in cartoons and in different books. And if we just, I mean, there's also um, private revelation, different people that have had visions where the blessed mother has told them her life story and, Those private revelations tend to agree, but they tend to be different than the popular uh, thoughts about what's going on here with Mary and Joseph. What's generally believed in the private revelations, as well as in the church fathers, is that Mary and Joseph were both very humble people, very good people, very virtuous people. They knew each other. And... The popular thought is that they both were intending a life of service to God and a life of prayer. Neither one intended marriage. This is just the popular opinion. I mean, we don't know these things for sure, 
I mean, Mary, with Mary, there's a little bit of evidence for that when she says later in Luke, how can this be that I'm going to have a child? A woman that's just been betrothed, meaning she's now legally married, doesn't ask the question, how is it that I'm going to have a child? Unless her parents didn't teach her the facts of life, but we, we don't believe that's the case either. So Mary, there we do believe there's a little bit of scriptural evidence there indicating she intended to remain a virgin. The irony of Mary intending virginity and very possibly Joseph also intending to be a virgin and just give his life in the service of God. I know there are those people that believe Joseph was an older man, but that's a minority opinion. Anyway, the irony of that for the two of them is that in Israel, people wanted to be married and they wanted to have as many kids as possible because they were waiting for the Messiah. But especially at this time during the fourth kingdom, which was the Romans, because of the prediction of the prophet Daniel, during this time, people wanted to have children. They wanted to have as many children as possible. I mean, we saw what happened with King David. How many brothers did he have? And they went through all the brothers first. No, not this one. No, not this one. And finally, the anointed one, the chosen one, David, was picked out among his brothers. <clears throat> they weren't even going to present David. So you never know what God does. So people wanted to have kids. They wanted to be chosen. And remember, too, and this is a huge, um, I want to say argument, but it's so much more than an argument. Just a huge um, revelation of the queenship of Mary, that in Israel, the queen was not the wife of the king. The king had many wives. The queen in Israel was the mother of the king. You only get one mother, except for us Catholics who have Our Lady as well. We're very fortunate. But so people wanted women specifically wanted to be the mother of the Messiah because that would make her the queen. That would make her the queen of heaven and earth. And, you know, that, I mean, they didn't fully understand it all, but this is what happens with Mary because she's the mother of the Messiah. Anyway, it's believed because they were such virtuous people and they knew each other very well. And they both had tremendous humility. I mean, what, what happened was they were chosen. They were, it was an arranged marriage. They were told Mary had given her life in the service of the temple. And Joseph uh, was told basically by the high priest, you two are supposed to marry each other. You two, you know, the, you've been chosen to marry each other. It was an arranged marriage, according to these accounts that we read. And they, in humility, accepted it. And they both had some knowledge of each other, the goodness of the other person. So in the writings of the fathers, what we see is when Mary tells Joseph that she's with child, she tells him right away it's of the Holy Spirit. Joseph knows what a holy woman Mary is. Joseph is not thinking Mary has slept with someone else, so now I have to divorce her in, in, a, in a way where he's jealous and angry, but rather Joseph is in awe. When he hears Mary say this, when he knows what a good, virtuous woman Mary is, he says, okay, well, this is a mystery bigger than me. I don't know what to do here. I'm, I'm overwhelmed at what's going on here. So I'm just going to submit to it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let go here. I, I don't deserve it. So Joseph, what I'm trying to say here is that Joseph was a humble man. And Mary, why did Mary 
Why did the angel have to say to Mary, do not be afraid? I just want to focus on this line here. Do not be afraid. He says it to Joseph. He says it to Mary. Are they afraid? Do they lack courage? No, I don't think so. They're going to be two of the most courageous people ever. They have to be very courageous for the vocation to which they have been called. Why are they so afraid? It's a fear. It's a holy fear that comes from humility. Who am I? Mary is wondering, you know, why do I deserve this great honor that this angel appears to me and says these great things? She's afraid because she wants to be humble and lowly and simple and little. And the angel is calling her full of grace. Do not be afraid, Mary. Do not be afraid, Joseph. And the angel follows up the words to St. Joseph by saying, and, and similar to what he's going to say to Mary, it is through the Holy Spirit that these amazing things are happening. In other words, the Holy Spirit is with you. You're being given the Spirit. Do not be afraid, Joseph, because this isn't all about you. This is what we need to hear all the time. Constantly, we need to hear this when we're having our doubts and our fears and our worries. It's not about you. God is working out his plan, and he is sending the Holy Spirit. So both of them are told, do not be afraid. Both of them are uh, whatever kind of fear you want to call it. It's like a, it's not like fear of the Lord, like awe, but it's also not a fear in this world. Like, oh no, I'm in trouble. It's a holy fear that's born of humility. So what happens is the humility continues. Humility is truth. Humility doesn't say, oh, I'm, I'm a no good piece of garbage. Humility says, okay, I know I can't do this. But the angel promised me that the Holy Spirit is doing this. Therefore, I submit myself to it. God, has, it's, There's nothing wrong with saying God has chosen me for a great task. You know, St. Therese used to say openly, I know I'm going to be a saint. She wasn't saying it in pride. She wasn't saying, I'm better than all of you, so get out of my way, you sinners. She wasn't saying that. She was saying in humility, I know God has chosen me. God has a plan for me. And St. Therese, I mean, all her words back it up when you, when you hear her talk about her littleness, her humility. She wasn't saying, hey, everybody, look at me how humble I am, because that's the opposite of humility. But she talked about littleness, doing little things with great love, being hidden in God, in Jesus, not putting yourself out there to be the star of the show, to be the center of attention. So this is what Mary and Joseph did, and now they're going to be the center of attention from that moment 2,000 years ago till the end of time. They are at the center of attention. There is no holiday slash holy day that is more loved than Christmas And even those that don't like to give too much honor to Mary and Joseph still will put nativity scenes on their lawn, (laughs) right? Because God becomes man in the womb of Mary because Joseph on earth is the father of Jesus. Joseph is necessary to this great, amazing mystery. There's a million more things we can say about St. Joseph, which I'm not going to say today. And throughout the week, we'll say a little bit more here and there, but This is what I just wanted to focus on today, the humility. Do not be afraid because God has you. It's the Holy Spirit that's doing this. When Pope John Paul, I I got it, I can't talk about not being afraid without talking about Pope John Paul II because Pope John Paul, when he became Pope, 
was immediately told because he was from a communist country. It's really funny the way these things happen. The Cardinals voted for him knowing full well who he was and what his situation was. I mean, he was constantly being persecuted in Poland by the communists. And so the Cardinals, and knowing the brilliant man that he was, knowing the spiritual man that he was, but also knowing the, the persecution he was facing, they picked him. God, the Holy Spirit worked through the process, but they picked him as a prophet for these times. They picked him knowing that God would work through him. I mean, they knew it to some degree or another. This is a holy man who is constantly at odds with the communists, who, by the way, are keeping the whole world right now during the Cold War in a state of fear. We're going to pick this man who is, you know, constantly at odds with these communists. We're going to make him the pope. Talk about swatting the hornet's nest. Then as soon as he gets elected, his um, assistants, and I think one or two of them were cardinals, but one or two of them were not. They were not in the conclave, but they met with him and they said, okay, you know, these communists, they're, they're way too powerful for us to take on. So you really have to be humble, Pope John Paul, you know, not <laughs> necessarily meaning this definition of humility that I've been talking about. And they told him to cool off his language, his rhetoric, his, uh, you know, don't get cocky. In other words, don't be, don't get too proud. Don't get too, uh, and the, you know, we mean proud in the Lord. Don't be too bold with these communists, they tell him. And so what does he do in his first speech as Pope? You know, very often when a priest, deacon, bishop, or anyone preaches, the first person they're preaching to is themselves. Pope John Paul's initial speech was both to himself and to the world, and especially to the people of Poland and Russia and those in Eastern Europe, East Germany. He got up into the podium. The first thing he said was, do not be afraid. And he made this the theme of his papacy. And communism fell in so many of these places. He said, do not be afraid. And he essentially said in that initial speech to the leaders of these communist countries, your days are numbered, you're going down. And it wasn't a prideful thing like, I'm going to take you down. Rather, it was a statement made in the Lord, according to the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that God is going to win and I am his instrument. I'm just his instrument. I'm going to allow the Lord to work. And the Lord's going to use all the people of the world. So he says to the people of the world, especially people under oppression, do not be afraid because you have the Lord and he's bigger and stronger than all these other things. You know, getting back to St. Joseph, this is the lesson that he teaches Jesus through his courage and his strength and his trusting in the Lord, specifically the Holy Spirit working through the situation. Jesus is learning by observing his parents, Mary and Joseph, to be strong in the Holy Spirit. Jesus has to learn as man how to be a man. And so he learns great courage and great strength, which is going to carry him straight up through his crucifixion. Do not be afraid. And so this is the message for all of us. As we get ready for Christmas, it's so much more than cookies and Santa. We know this. It's so much more than the good music and the good movies. It's so much more than getting together with family. 
It's the fact that Jesus has come so that the Holy Spirit can live within us so that we don't have to be afraid. Whatever it is you're dealing with right now in your life, the Lord is saying, do not be afraid. I have you. I have a plan for you. You're important. Your life is important. This day is important. And I'm sending my spirit to you to guide you through the day, to carry you through so that you can accomplish the tasks that I've set before you. With that, enjoy your week. (laughs) We'll be back again tomorrow. Do not be afraid. The Lord has great plans for each of us this week and for the rest of our lives. Have a great day. God bless.